This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a path through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. If you have your Bibles, let me keep them switched on, and we're going we're to look at that in a few seconds. Um, it's obviously the first Sunday of 2020. Who, who feels like New Year's happened a long time ago? Does it just feels ages ago, isn't it? I came in, and everyone's going, Happy New Year, and I'm going, Oh, yeah, it's a new year, isn't it? Uh, and uh, it's, it's the beginning of this time, and obviously 2020, there's a lot of churches and organizations around uh, um, the country, I'm sure the world, who are, who are leaning into that 2020 imagery. Because 2020, you know, if, if your vision is 2020, okay, your actual physical vision, what sort of vision does it mean you have? You have... See, so I perfect Now, Kathy cheated because I already told her what it was. Uh, <laughs> or maybe you knew already. I'm not sure. Because many people think 2020 vision means that you have perfect vision. Um, but I did a bit of research, and that's not actually true. What 2020 vision, or if you want to go modern, 6.09 by 6.09 meters, because 2020 is 20 feet by 20 feet. It means at 20 feet, you can see things with fairly good clarity. So if you can see that, that means you're average. So if, if, you, if you don't have glasses, you're average. Just saying it. If you've got glasses like me, we're not average. We're special, different, weird. Okay. <laughs> that went downhill very fast, didn't it? Sorry, but, but, but 2020 vision is, is, I think many people are wanting to say, this is what's going to happen in 2020. There's some new things and some good things and some great things. And I'm, I'm sure lots of places are, are going to share that. And I, I, I want to share a little bit of, of what we feel that God wants um, to do in 2020. But we also need to, to keep in mind that, that 2020 vision is when you see an eye chart. Is the eye chart up there? I'm, I'm not sure how many of you can read that. Anyone normal? You see, <laughs> but the truth is the further you are back, it gets a little bit blurrier. Okay, can we, can we, can we, um, can we just shut up? Okay, because <laughs> everyone's going, I can see, I know that. Okay, that's called smugness, and that's okay, well, that's all right. But, but when it comes to our vision, it is when it comes to, okay, as we go into 2020, this new year, how many know exactly what's going to happen? None of us do. You can make, I mean, let's be really honest. You don't even know when this sermon is going to end. You have hopes and dreams and you're preparing to be disappointed. I, I know that, but, but as we go into a new year, I'm sure we have plans of some of us booked holidays and, and, and you've got some maybe changing years at school. Maybe you're going to get married. There's lots of different things that can happen. But the truth is beyond 20 feet, things get a bit blurry. And the same when it looks into a new year. We can make all of our plans, but things actually get a bit blurry because things can change. But one of the amazing things about our God 
is that our God is not a God who is restricted to 20 feet. Our God actually knows what's in the future. And he, he doesn't promise to tell you everything that's going to happen. But what he does do is he promises to be with us, to walk with us, to guide us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to change us into the year 2020. And in a few minutes, I'm going to share some of the things that we're we're excited about seeing in 2020. But the truth is, we know that these are blurry and they may well change. But what is certain is our God. And and what we do as an eldership and leadership, besides planning some of the things that are going to happen, is we we come to God and say, God, is there a particular verse? Is there a phrase or a a motto, something that, that you want us to lean into as a church? If you were with us last year, you may know it was this. It was from Acts 1, receive power from the Holy Spirit and to be my witnesses. Is we really felt God was saying is, is encourage the church to more purposely plug into the power of God. To give more space, to, to be more receptive to what God is doing. But also to be witnesses is to purposely point people to Jesus. And we several times over this past year, we, we stopped and we encouraged and we did gift courses and we did a variety of things. Also, I know with the opening of this building is many people at work and in their neighborhood are, are, are explained what was happening here. You're saying this is a God thing. And it went beyond it's a building. You went on what God is doing and how we got here. And you, you're saying what you saw. Now, we need to encourage you to keep, we need to keep doing that, to keep purposely plugging into God and, and pointing um, people to what we've seen in Jesus and what God's do, doing. But there's another verse that, that the elders felt drawn to that that we think that God says we need to lean into as a church this year. And it was within that reading that, that Joe read a few moments ago from um, Isaiah. And it's Isaiah 43, verse 19. And it's this, is God says, see, I am doing a new thing. The others are sensing that God is saying, I want to do something new. Something new in us personally, something new in us uh, as a church family, and actually something new in our community, as in our workplaces, and in our families. God says, I want to do something new. Now, the thing is, when you hear the, new, the word new, some of us here, you love new, don't you? Who loves new? You love new clothes, new challenges. Who set New Year's resolutions? Five days in, who needs to reset New Year's resolutions? I don't know. See, some of us just, the, the thought of new, we're going, God wants to do something new. And you're going, great, what new things are we going to do? Well, and you're really excited about it. But others of us, if we're really honest, we, what's wrong with the old? You know, we, what's wrong with the established, with the familiar and what we know? I mean, let's be honest. Some of us, we have clothes that are older than some of the people sat in this auditorium. And I don't just mean the babies. I mean some of the teenagers. Someone at the end of the nine, he says, I've got a t-shirt I bought in 1985. That's you're working that out, isn't it? That's an old t-shirt, isn't it? So he doesn't like new things. This guy doesn't new. So when God says, I want to do a new thing, see, I'm doing a new thing. For some of us, we're excited about it. And some of us were a bit nervous about it. But it's really important to, to see what God is saying and what God is doing. And, and there's three things that I want to pull out of this, this promise and that I want us to think about now, but also to take into this new year. Three things about this phrase. The first one is we need to understand that when God says I'm doing a new thing, is, is a, it's a call to, to focus on the source and not our solution. Okay, focus on the source and not our solution. The, the setting uh, of these words in Isaiah was that the, the people of God were in exile. So they were in effectively slavery in Babylon. 
Now, if you know the history, let me go back a a long way further. They've known slavery before. They knew slavery under Pharaoh. You may know the story of Moses and and, and the plagues and then the Red Sea that separated and this incredible escape and God delivered them. And God had once delivered them. And then they started following God and then they got a bit wobbly and and they, they kept seeing God do incredible things and follow God. But then they got distracted. They pursued their own things. And they, they let other think idols get in. Their other gods, other priorities. And God went from central to side to behind them. And as a result, over the decades and the centuries, it eventually led them to not following God at all. And then going into exile. And then in exile, they were remembering. But God did good things. Remember the good things of God. And said, oh, if only God could deliver us again. If only the God who who did this Egypt, you see in verses 16 and 17, if only the God who parted the Red Sea and used the Red Sea to wipe our enemies, if only he could do that again, why doesn't he do it? Because they were in a desperate state. They were in a place where they were in a foreign land where they had no hope, they had no power, the pressures around them were incredible, and they're going, we don't know how we're going to get out of this. Press the pause button for a second. We live in a culture that over the past years is political uncertainty has just been rampant. We're just not sure. There's division going over and extremes seem to be embraced and and there's unknowns. The pressure on old and young with mental pressure is going huge. The financial pressure of how will you ever buy a house? Will you be able to afford your pension or or, or after care when you're a senior? How will you do that? And, And the pressures are enormous. And just in recent days with the actions of America, Trump and, and things, is it, our world seems an even more unsafe place now. And I'm sure like me, you're going, God, God, where are you? Have you ever prayed, God, will you step in? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Some of you, yep, yeah, okay. Okay, but okay, honest, okay, I, I need a response here. I need some honesty here. It's a safe environment. I'm not going to name and shame you, okay? Have you ever thought, if I was God... I could probably fix things a lot faster than him. You know, if I was God, what I would do is I would wipe out all the bad guys and let the good guys win. I would, I would wipe out all of illness and, and just keep healthy stuff. I would make sure those who were, were hungry had food. I would, I would, you know, you're all powerful God. You just go, boom, do it. Who thinks that that's what they would do? Who's ever prayed that? I've prayed that. I've, yeah, I've prayed. I've prayed, God, why you just sort this out? And, and what can happen is, I think what's happening with the people in exile, I think what happens to us, is, is that our focus becomes on our solutions. See, if I was God, then I would do it like this. Or if I was God, I, I, I would do it like I did it in the past. Or God, why can't you fix this? God, why can't you just release us? Why can't you change everything? Why can't you bring hope and freedom and justice and healing? Why can't you do it now? And we get so focused on our solution that we forget the source. That God is God and we are not. And this is the message that God was saying to these people who are in a desperate situation. Who are longing for God to step in. Who are questioning. Verse 18. He said, forget the former things. Forget all those solutions of yours. This is not God saying, forget me. He's not saying that. If you flip forward to Isaiah 46 verse 9, there he says, remember the former things. So, so you think, well, does the Bible, you know, it says, forget the former things and then remember the former things. What's he talking about? And what he's talking about is you need to put your focus on the right thing. 
And that's the source. This new thing is a God thing. Not a you thing, not a me thing, but a God thing. Is see what I am doing. In that reading that we read, notice in verse 14, he says, he said, I am your redeemer. What is a redeemer? A redeemer is one who saves. One who, who pulls people from slavery into freedom. I'm the one who brings you into life. He says, I am the Holy One. Holy One is set apart, who's different. He's the Almighty God so far above us and sees all things and knows all things. He said, remember who I am. I am your King. I am your Creator. He's saying, when it comes to this new thing, start with me. Start with me. For I am doing a new thing. It's me. Lift your eyes from all your solutions and go to me. This is a thing that we we need to keep coming back to. I think we just did it in our worship with receive our adoration. And we hung around that for quite a lot of time. Why? Because it's all about him. As a church this coming year, we want to keep deliberately creating those spaces. Spaces where we can worship. Spaces where we can give our adoration to God. Spaces where we can follow God closer. We want to do that corporately on Sundays. And and we also do, do it in small groups and encourage it that way. We want to encourage you individually to to spend some time each day just saying, God, it's about you. You're the one who does the new thing. It's not how much I I can rally my spirits, how much I can be creative. Jesus, it's about what you have done. It's about you, and I want to join that. See, I am doing a new thing. So make sure that we focus on the source and not your solution. The second thing about this, this promise, this call of God, is we need to, to remember that, that God thinks big. Okay, God thinks big. Back in the 1700s, I like to be contemporary, okay? Back in the 1700s, there was a chap called Lancelot Brown. Some of you may know, does anyone know who that is? No, no, okay, let me give you his nickname, and that may help. His name was Capability Brown. Anybody now know who he is? He sounds like a Wild West sort of hero. It's Capability Brown and his deputy dog. The Capability Brown, some of you are going, still have no idea what you're talking about, Mark. I should have got a picture of him. He's a, he's a handsome fella. Uh, um, what he was is, is he was an incredible landscape gardener. He was an architect landscape gardener, but he was extraordinary because he didn't just make a pretty garden. He was known for totally transforming the landscape. So he'd go to these big stately houses and goes, do you know what? The, 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 the picture out of your window is a little bit plain. What you need is a lovely lake and then maybe a valley and a fortress. And they're going, mate, it's just not there. So he said, no, no, I'll create that. And what he's did, what he's known for is he would relocate whole villages to clear the view. He would, big rivers, not streams, rivers, he would divert so that the river would go in front of the house. Um, a big lake, you want, who would love a lakeside view? He would make the lake on your, now you obviously need a big estate for that, but he would do, he would transform the valley. He would dig out valleys. He would, he would take away forests. He would plant thousands of trees. So at the end of this project is you're going, now that is a view. He cre- you don't buy a house with a view. He created the view. Now this guy, remember there was no diggers and cranes and all that stuff. This is all done by hand. Now, he had the inspiration and people did the hard work. But to imagine having, having that, that insight, that, that vision to transform the entire landscape. I'm not sure what sort of gardener you are. I am, and Catherine probably with me, is that we're more a hack and hope sort of family. 
Yeah, so we, is that fair, Kathy? We're hacking it. We hack it and hope that it works out. And to be honest, if it can't be transformed in half a day, maybe a day, you know, is it really worth doing in our garden? Uh, and that's how our garden has survived and, and or not survived. But when it comes to capability Brown, is he saw something bigger and saw and worked at it. It's things that may take decades to form. He created there's over 200 uh, landscape parks that he has set around our country that is, are, are credited to Capability Brown. So, so how does that do with God? I think when it comes to God, when we pray about our solutions, about God, will you step in and do this? I, I think some of us, we, we do think big, but I think, we think, I think we think extravagant more than big or extraordinary more than big. We want, we want God just to come in and do something amazing, like you know, to part the Red Sea and to pull the Red Sea and kill our enemies and sort it all out. Our journey for this building project, I know many of you have journeyed with us. Some of you are, are new to our place and, and you're most welcome, but we've been on a long journey to get here, over 10 years to get there. And I must admit, if I knew it was 10 years at the beginning, I probably would have entered with less enthusiasm. Because, and I will say, you may want to agree with this prayer. I'm sure many of you have prayed this. Along the route, I have prayed, God, will you just give us a couple million quid check, please? Has anyone prayed that? I have honestly prayed that. I want to say, you know, because wouldn't that be spectacular? I've got a check here, guys, for two million pounds. Our mortgage is now paid for. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be spectacular? You see, but God did something different. See, over the 10 years, we haven't had a million pound check. We haven't had a half a million pound check. We haven't had a quarter million pound checks. What we've had is, is just hundreds of people giving smaller amounts. Some, some quite big amounts, nowhere near the, the millions, but they've been giving lump sums. And, and each month, just giving money and giving money and giving money. And over 10 years, in fact, they're committed to beyond because we're still paying a 25-year mortgage. Yay. And, uh, <laughs> but what's happened is, is there's been hundreds of people who have invested in this place and have given in this place. And it's been a hard journey. But one of the incredible things that God has done is when we moved in here just a few months ago, as we are here, do you know many of you, we're only here because of you guys. And I'm not just saying it. It's because you've been giving that, those amounts that you have been and continue to give. And you own some of this. You're invested in this. You're not just consumers that go, oh, nice building. What's for me? You're going, no, no, I, I gave for this. And God's bigger plan wasn't just to get this building built. God's bigger plan was to create a space, a home that we are the hosts. That we come into my home because I was part of this. See, God's plan was bigger. Now, what does it have to do with this book, this, this verse in Isaiah? It's because the, the people, they wanted God to just swoop in and, and to solve it. And God says, no, remember the source. And the second thing is God, God was saying is, is you need to understand that I'm thinking big here. I'm not just going to get the sea to wipe it all out. I'm going to do something and you'll, you'll see it. Is, see, I'm creating streams of water. What he wanted to do is in this desert, wasn't just to wipe the desert out, is, but I'm going to put some streams that go through this desert. And in these streams, as they trickle, as they begin to take establish, as they establish their, their their courses in the desert, is you're going to find that life will appear. Because if you've ever been in a desert, you'll know that water is essential for life. But not just for you to drink, but things to grow. And what God said is the new thing that I'm doing is about life. And you may think it's small, this little river. You may think it's insignificant. You may think it's slow. But I want to tell you that my plan is way, way, way bigger. Just under two weeks ago, we celebrated just an extraordinary event 
of God becoming flesh. So there was angels and wise men and lots of things. We know the story really well. Was that an extraordinary event? God becoming one of us. But, but think of what happened. God became one of this big bad choir of angels and all this coordinating of stars and things. And then Jesus is born. Yay. And then for the next 30 years, what happens? We don't know. Not a lot. It, was 30, it wasn't until he was 30 years old that Jesus began to teach and say and, and things began to open. And you're going, God, why did you do it so slowly? It's because God says, my plan is bigger. He said in things, incredible things and things that we still are learning from today. Things that still speaking to us today. And that led to the cross. And what happened? He's falsely accused and he's, he's crucified and killed. But then he rises from the dead. And all the people around, all the authorities are going, this is just crazy. And, the, and even the disciples are going, we don't fully understand what this means. Now, in hindsight, we know what it means. We know Jesus' death and resurrection, it totally transformed eternity. Because what it did is he conquered sin and death. Is he made a way, we put our faith in Jesus, is that we can come into relationship with God. We may know life and life in all its fullness. But on paper, he was killed as a common criminal. He rose again and it didn't hit all the headlines. It didn't spread across the road really quickly. It was a slow river. But it was a river that increased in its power. In Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel was a contemporary of Isaiah, so he's still writing to people in exile. And he describes of a, of a river that flows from the temple, the place of God. It, a, a small stream flows out. And as it goes further and further, it goes deep, deeper and wider. And it goes to ankle deep and then waist deep and then chest deep and then deep enough to swim in. And, and it says, as it, wherever it goes, is bringing life and refreshment. And, and it actually says that this river goes into the Dead Sea. If you've been to the Dead Sea, it's dead. There's nothing alive in it. That's why they call it Dead Sea, probably. And, and there's no life. But the, the, the image is this, this river from God will flow into the Dead Sea and there'll be abundance of life. Is God's new thing starts as a little river, but what it does is it pours in and it brings an abundance of life into the Dead Sea, into those places that you think are just dead, in our areas of your work that you're going, that's just dead. Maybe areas of your family or relationships. Maybe in our community or our politics or where our world where you're going, there's just no God. God, why won't you step in? And God says, I am sending rivers that will eventually bring abundance of life. That's what he's offering. That's what he's saying. He says, don't focus on your solution. My solution's way, way bigger. It's way, way bigger. And it's about rivers that transform. I think so many times we discount good things of God because we think they're too small. And yet what I want to tell you is God works in small ways to do incredible things. To transform not just landscapes, but our eternity. Now as a church, how do we want to practically respond to that? We're not going to give you a list of new things. We're going to do some new things. But actually what we want to do is to create spaces for from streams of God to flow out. I mentioned small groups already, but actually where small groups is a really big area. It's, it's good to gather in a big crowd, but when you meet in smaller groups, that's where you find friendships and you, find, uh, you, you share and you, you do life together and celebrate together. That, that's when it's easier to connect and coming into a big group is scary for some. A smaller group where you get friends and you get texts and you get encouragement is we want to encourage our small groups. I mean, that's why we are, we're looking to employ, we're advertising right now, please be praying that the right person applies and we appoint the right person to come in and encourage. But it's not just small groups that we may, we may study more, but it's small groups that, that life may abound. 
that we may have streams like our running group already, but we want to do groups like uh, Kintsugi Hope, which is a group that helps with those with men- struggling with mental ch- uh, challenges. We want to, we're going to do, this is a really cool thing, we're doing Vintage Messy. If you heard of me- you know, Messy Church with families, is they're doing it for, for older folks. So especially those struggling with dementia or the beginning of that, it's, we're, we're going to have a kickoff of that and see if that could just gather more people. We're doing Alpha courses. We're doing, obviously, a marriage course. We're doing, there's a discipleship course, a big evangelist thing called J. John, and we want to just help people of how do you share your faith. We want to create lots of different pockets of community, rivers where God can do new and bigger things. To invite not just you, but all people in. More and more people in. Our cafe, you'll, you'll know our cafe at the back is, um, we, we built that into the plan. Is, is this year in spring, we hope to open this up to be a normal coffee shop. Uh, we want good food and good coffee, but actually the heart behind it isn't just good quality uh, um, food and, and refreshments, but we want it to be a river where people might encounter God. We want us to be an opportunity that you might be, be prayed for. You might just find friendship. You, it will connect with people. We want to continue to invest in, in all those ministries. That, and, and we really see the cafe as a, as a hub. If you want to be a part of that, in about a couple of weeks' time, we'll get information out next week to say we're trying to gather anyone who's interested in making that happen to, to come and be involved because it will take a team to make it. It doesn't just sit back and happens. It requires us to make space for the river of God to flow. Our other ministries, our youth and children, we're already seeing growth in, which is really exciting. Um, but there's putting stress. We need, we need folks to, to help and serve with our Waypoint kids and help and serve at Edge. We are seeing lives change. And sometimes you wonder, if I'm just doing a little thing with the kids' work, is it really making a difference? I want to encourage you that it is. We just prayed for Alaska and James, and Jess McNulty is also going off. And these are kids who have grown up and had people like you and me just sharing little bits, little things, little rivers of God. And what we see is these guys going on missions saying, God, I want to be available to you. It's a big plan that God has. And we can be part of that. Also, our building, you know, we have a fantastic, we finally have space to do things. And we want to finish off the work. We still, if you've been to the North Building, you know there's some work to do. And people to keep giving. And we launched by a chair about three months ago. Because these chairs we have are going to be in the other building. And a chair isn't just a piece of furniture. A chair is a place where you might encounter God. A place is a place where you can find rest. A chair is a place where, where you can worship God. And um, people have already sponsored 260 chairs. So thank you for those who've done that already. And if you want to buy a chair, you can. And we'll get those ordered really sh- soon. We are excited to see new people come in the church. Brookfield School have already booked our, uh, um, this building a few times. Um, we've got the mayor making event is happening here in May. We're going to see so many people come through our doors that we want to say, God, what rivers of opportunity are before us. Because remember, rivers transform lives, and the river is the river of God. This is not a list of new things that we're going to do, but this, we're giving space for God to move. Will you be part of it? Do you want to be part? I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. I have no idea. Beyond 20 foot, it gets a bit blurry. But actually, we put more rivers, and you put a river through a desert, it will get transformed. I want to encourage you to be praying and being part of that, and be part of that personally. And this is the last thing about this, this call that I'm doing a new thing. Remember, it's about the source. We need to remember that God has a really big plan, a really big thing. And the third thing is this, is that we need to personally step into God's plan. One of the, the amazing things about God's plan is he doesn't force, us, force it on us. He invites us into it. 
You, in that reading, you, I'm not sure if you picked up, it says even the wild animals, the jackal and the owl will be at refresh of that. What this, the image is, is that even the owl, it's not just for the, for, the, for the inner crowd. It says all people will be blessed by this river of God. God wants the people on the society, in our community, maybe even in here, but definitely out there, people are going, is is it for me? Is this life that God, is it for me? And the answer is yes, but step in. Some of you have never stepped in. I want to encourage you, beginning of 2020, what an awesome day to be the day we're going, I'm going to step into the river. I want to step in and say, Jesus, can I be part of this plan? I want to be part of the transformation I want to step out of the desert of my loneliness. I want to step out of the desert of my financial challenge. I want to step out of the desert of isolation. I want to step out of the desert of of just that, that worry. And I want to step into your river of life and love. Because that's the invitation that we have to us and that we have to offer. I want to encourage you. If you haven't done that, let today be the day. But some of us, actually, we've, we've been paddling in the river. We, we know the river. We've, we've been involved with church for a long time. And I want to come back to that Ezekiel image where the river goes from ankle deep to waist deep to chest height to deeper. I think the call of God for you this year, call of God to me this year, is go deeper into me. Swim more into me. Because the deeper you go, the more life you'll find. Because the river of God brings life. God wants to do something new in me in you, in us, in our community. From next week, we're looking at the book of Ephesians and we're going to see what a community can do when it, when it engages with that new thing of God. It can change the whole society when we let the rivers of God flow through us. Will you go deeper? Will you step in? Will you give space for God? Because he is doing a new thing and invites you and me to be part of it. I'd love for you to be part of it, because God would be love, love you to be part of that. I want to pray, and then we're going to share communion and link that in a wee bit, so let's just pause and pray. Father, I want to thank you that, that you are an almighty, a holy, redeeming king creator. You are not a God of the small. You are not a God who, 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 who looks over things and doesn't care. You are a God who passionately cares and has the power to transform. I thank you, God, that, that you don't just transform landscapes. You transform people and communities. And Father, I long for you to transform this place. I long to see the kingdom of God. I long to see your will be done here. And Father, I pray that you might use me. You might use us that you might use this church and change this community. God, you are doing a new thing. Give us eyes to see, to see what you are doing already, that we might join, that we might create more space, that we might step in and be blown away with what you're doing. Let today be a moment of, wow, look what's before us, and I want to be part of it. Because you give good things, and we want good things. Amen.